podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. The day after, Liverpool 2, Arsenal 0 at the Emirates. The Reds take the three points, move to within one point of Manchester City. And if they win their next league game against Watford, will go above City before City play Burnley. All things considered, a very professional win for Liverpool. Never really felt like Arsenal were going to score. The first chance Arsenal had in the game, we gifted to them with a lax Thiago Alcantara pass. It took them until the 87th minute to actually create a chance of their own. And that ended up with Martinelli putting the ball wide. While Arsenal may claim that they outplayed us in the first half, Liverpool had more possession, more shots on target, more corners, and they created nothing. We had the two best chances of that first half, the Van Dijk header and the Sadio Mane chance right before the whistle. They had nothing in that first half. In the second half, they had that one Odegaard chance. They had a fairly tamely hit shot from Saka that Alisson gathered comfortably. Then we scored. Diogo Jota beating Aaron Ramsdale at his near post after a great ball by Thiago. Then Klopp made some changes, brought on Mo, brought on Bobby. Then we almost scored again. Bobby does brilliantly, gets into the box, cuts it back for Thiago. Salah takes the ball off his toes for reasons known only to Salah. Ball works back out. Andy Robertson tries a shot. It's blocked. Saka gets possession. Robbo steals it off him. Robbo drives in, cuts it across, and Bobby taps it home. And that point, we're two up, and the game's over. The game's over. And I said before this game, I've been saying it all season, this Arsenal team are soft. And you can beat up on all the crap teams you want. But when a good team punches you in the face and your reaction is to curl up into a ball and not fight back, you're not going to win anything major. And that's what happened with that Arsenal team. It's what's happened to them time and again this season. Anytime they've played a good team and gotten a punch in the face, they've just curled into a ball. And Arteta just gave up. He just gave up on the game last night. It was one of the stranger things I've seen. You would have thought that 2-0 down, you just throw caution to the wind and you try and get something back out of the game. 
he brought on Smith Rowe for Odegaard. Then he brought on Pepe for Saka, like for like changes. Because he doesn't have a plan B. Because as I've said repeatedly over the last 24 hours, this is a Poundland Pep Guardiola. He has borrowed Pep's tactical approach. He sets his team up before the game. And remember this season, one game a week for Arsenal. He's had plenty of time to prepare for every single game. So he sets his team up to play a specific way and they have no alternative way of playing. Overload to the right, switch it to the left, try and isolate Martinelli one-on-one. Or overload to the left, switch it to the right, try and isolate Saka one-on-one. That's it. That's what they do. And Andy Robertson took Bukayo Saka completely out of the game last night. Martinelli had a little bit of joy, but I thought Trent did brilliantly well. Like, Martinelli didn't create anything. The only real chance he had in the game was in the 87th minute. So for all the impressive dribbling, for the impressive speed, the cutbacks, none of it led to anything. None of it came close to leading to anything. I don't know that at any point in the game, I felt like Arsenal were going to win. And as soon as we scored, I knew we were going to win. And when we got that second, like I said, they just gave up. That's not a top team. I said last night on Raw, there's two great teams in the league, Liverpool and City. There's a good team, potentially very good team in Chelsea. And then there's a bunch of mediocre teams. Arsenal can be good. They can be dreadful. United can be good. They can be dreadful. Spurs the same. West Ham the same. Wolves the same. None of those teams are consistently good. They'll string together some results because they've got good individual players. They'll beat up the the really bad teams in the league because they should beat up the bad teams in the league. But beyond that five, it is largely bad teams. So you've got eight teams in the league that are capable of being good and the rest are largely poor. Some of them, again, will have two and three game runs when they look good. Some of them not capable of even that. But from ninth place Villa to 20th place Norwich, you really should be beating them every single time. Now, I know we've dropped some points against them, but that was more to do with us than to do with them. Like the defeat at Leicester, that's about us, not about them. The draw with Brighton, about us, not them. The draw with Brentford, about us, not them. They're capable of these one-off games where they can step up to the top clubs, but more often than not, they're just going to roll over and have their bellies tickled. There's a lot of times you'd look at the teams and say, if they could get two more players in, they'd be a good team. And that's basically where they are if they could get two or three more players in of a good level, the problem is they can't afford to get those two or three players in while keeping the rest together. Like I've been impressed by Crystal Palace this season, but it's largely because of what they have been rather than just what they are. They're an interesting team. They're decent to watch. They play some good football, but again, they need a goalkeeper, a right back, one more in midfield and probably one more up front. And, They don't own Conor Gallagher. 
So they'd have to replace him. So that's two in midfield. So there's five players they need to become a good team. You look at Brighton. They play it back three. They need a better goalkeeper, one more at centre-back. They've got good wing-backs. They've got good midfielders, but they need a striker. So they need three players to be a good team. And you can go through all of them. And the difference between them and the likes of a United or an Arsenal or a Spurs is being a good team isn't enough for United, Arsenal, Spurs. And the gulf from bad-slash-mediocre to good-slash-mediocre is smaller than the gulf from good to great. Like, the gap between ourselves, City, and even Chelsea to the rest is enormous. Absolutely enormous. You just need to look at the Premier League table, and you see that. City have 70, we have 69. We're 18 points clear of Arsenal. 18 points clear of them. 19 clear of United, 21 clear of Tottenham and West Ham, 23 clear of Wolves. Whereas Arsenal are only, excuse me, Arsenal are only 15 points clear of Aston Villa. And that's a Villa team who have had multiple stretches of being dreadful this season. One under Dean Smith that got him sacked, one under Gerrard before the three wins in a row that they strung together. There's only 10 points between Wolves and Aston Villa, though. Chelsea are sort of stuck in the middle ground between good and great, but they're they're a good team. There's nothing mediocre about them. Sure, they could upgrade certain players, but the players they need to upgrade, those are massive expenses. Same thing for Arsenal, United, West Ham, Tottenham and Wolves. For them to get from where they are to great means big overhauls. They could get to Chelsea's level, where Chelsea are right now, with, for Arsenal, you'd look for a striker, a midfielder. I would want to upgrade Ben White because I don't think he's a centre-back. I think he's a midfield player, and I just don't don't know that I rate him highly enough in midfield either. And I don't think the goalkeeper is what he's made out to be. So for me, for them to get to that level, it's going to take a bit. Then they can get to great through nat- natural progression because they've got a lot of young players, Martinelli, Saka, Smithrow, Odegaard, even Gabriel, Tierney and Tommy Asu are all 23-24. So they've got years left to develop and grow. But Arsenal need a new spine. And the issue is that by the time Saka, Martinelli, Smithrow, etc. are great, Thomas Partey will also need replacement because he's 28-29 now. The gulf between ourselves and City is just, and the rest, is drastic. And yet people refuse to accept this. You've got Arsenal fans on social media today claiming they outplayed us. What game did you watch? We were comfortable in the first half. We played poorly in the first half. You played as well as you possibly could. We still had more of the ball, more shots on target, the better chances in the first half and more corners. So what is it that you did that was the result of you outplaying us? 
you had no shots on target in the entire first half. None. What is it that Arsenal did that they can hang their hat on today? Oh, we tried our best? Fine, you still lost. You're still 18 points behind us. Yes, you do have two games in hand, fair enough. Those games in hand, they're against Spurs away and Chelsea away. And I don't fancy it to win either of them. You're definitely not beating Chelsea away. You might get a result at Spurs, but knowing Spurs, they'll beat you and then like lose to Norwich or something the following week. I was waiting last night to see something from this Arsenal team, to see something from Arteta. And I feel very disappointed. I didn't get what I was looking for. We didn't get a real challenge last night. We turned it up for 10, 15 minutes and wiped them off the pitch. And then we just turned it down and carried on. And from the second goal on, you didn't feel like they were going to score. You felt like if there was going to be a third goal in the game, it would be us. Like, maybe I'm different. Maybe you guys watched the game and were worried that they were going to score, but I never felt like they were. Ali had one real save to make in the 90 minutes. It's a great save, but it came from Thiago being sloppy with the ball. Didn't come from anything they did. Odegaard was just standing there. I don't know. I, I You go on social media today, and you will be given the impression that Arsenal were the better team last night. And there's just nothing to back that up. Absolutely nothing to back that up. What do they do in the game? Hit hopeful balls down the channel? They talk about their improved defence. You've played two games less, you've conceded 11 games, 11 goals more. They talk about their attacking prowess. You've scored 32 goals less than us, lads. 32 goals. That's more than certain teams have scored all season. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine teams in the league haven't scored more than 32 goals. So you can add Arsenal plus any of those nine, and they haven't scored more than us this season. That is magnificent. You've scored the least goals in the top seven. The top three all have better defensive records. Wolves have a better defensive record. What am I meant to be impressed by? Still an average team. Beat up the crap teams and you're going to lose to all the good teams. And if you can't beat the good teams, you're not winning them. So they've played City twice, lost twice. They've played us four times, lost three times, drawn once. And the ones that they drew, we missed an absolute sitter. And they parked the bus for most of the game. They played Chelsea, Chelsea beat them comfortably. They played United when United were garbage and United beat them. United are still garbage, but I'd still back United to beat Arsenal when they play again. You lost to Everton. Like, if you want to define Arsenal season, they lost to Everton. When Everton were hopeless, 
Everton had lost six and drawn two of their previous eight and beat Arsenal. Everton have won one game since then. That defines Arsenal's season. Defeat to Everton, who can't beat anybody and are probably going to spend the rest of the season fighting for their lives and may well still go down. I just can't get on board with a team that loses games like that and then just gets absolutely rolled over by the top teams. And they're very excited. They gave City a good 60 minutes and City still beat you. City still beat you. He gave us a decent goal for 45 minutes. We were still comfortable and we still beat you. Like, what are you hanging your hat on? You got knocked out of the FA Cup in the first in the third round. You've done nothing. They've done absolutely nothing. They got to the semi-finals of the League Cup and we're all excited by that. But they've beaten West Brom's reserves, Wimbledon's reserves, Leeds reserves, and Sunderland. Like, what is it that you're all excited about? You're better than last season. You should be better than last season. You're the highest net spend of anybody in Europe. You spent a fortune in the summer. You spent 140 million in the summer. Of course you're better than last season. If you weren't, everybody should be sacked. But the only one of the players you bought in the sorry, the only two of the players you bought in the summer that you'd want to hang your hat on long term are Tommy Asu and Odegaard. That's 46 million. There's 94 million there, questionably spent. I like Tavares as a backup left back. I like Laconga as a backup midfielder, but it's still questionable. He spent 80 million or 75 million on White and Ramsdale. Let me know when you beat someone good or let me know when you string together, you know, eight, nine wins in a row, the way we do, the way City do, the way Chelsea are capable of. When you do that, when you make a mark in the Champions League, when you're doing this, that you're doing this season while also playing European football, even, even if it's Europa League, let me know. And then we'll take a look and see if you're worth talking about more. Uh, around the main Liverpool websites, this is Anfield, obviously, loads and loads of post-match coverage. The good, the bad, and Klopp's great subs. Uh, I joined Henry Jackson to take part in that, along with Taintless Red. And so you can check that one out there. Uh, all roads lead to the Etihad, as Alisson's brilliance helps Liverpool seal a huge win. World-class Ali in front five, get it done. Five talking points from Arsenal, nil Liverpool two. Jurgen Klopp admits reason Liverpool can now challenge in four competitions is because you've got a better squad, Jurgen. It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science. Uh, Jurgen Klopp warns, warns of the most fa- fragile flower in the in Liverpool's title race. This is momentum. Dan Kennett will have been outraged at the idea that Klopp was bringing up momentum. Um, lots of really, really good stuff there. Lots of really, really good stuff to give a, give a read to on This Is Anfield, always the best place for the written word on Liverpool Football Club. Uh, we have liverpool.com. Jurgen Klopp might have just let slip his Liverpool transfer plan. 
Uh, I assume this is something. There's also a piece here called Jordan Henderson might have made Liverpool next. The next Liverpool transfer priority obvious for Jurgen Klopp. I, I'm, the one about Henderson is about Martinelli making a mug of him. Um, I think this is about Liverpool trying to keep the old front three together with Jota and Diaz. Dave Maddock said something to the extent of don't expect any summer departures. And with the greatest respect, Dave Maddock, I mean, the last time Dave Maddock broke anything major about Liverpool and was correct was the news that Gerard Julia had been sacked. And we leave it at that. Uh, There's a piece here about... Ryan Gravenberch being available this summer. He is one that we've been linked with in the past. Uh, one of a few midfielders being linked. Major Liverpool bit myth busted as underrated FSG and Jurgen Klopp strength underlined by Juventus. Liverpool make high salary offer as Mohamed Salah shows total willingness for £58 million transfer. This is the media digest. There's been a lot of news that Divock Origi could be on his way to AC Milan. Uh, Liverpool ready to table high salary for Federico Valverde, who might be the most Jurgen Klopp midfielder around. He would be a sensational addition. Uh, Salah relays total willingness to sign for Barcelona. Utter crap. Utter crap. Uh, There's a few other bits and bobs there to give a read too. And then on AnfieldIndex.com, two podcasts for you to listen to. The post-match Raw, myself, Trev and Jim Boardman diving into the game. And then the Nina Kauser show. Nina was joined by Justin and Carl to have a chat about the game. As a couple of written pieces up there, some of them are the amalgamation pieces where Dan Rhodes puts together the, uh, the best bits from the podcasts. There's a key stats piece by Richard Coles about Liverpool versus Arsenal, so do check that one out. Just to confirm, Liverpool had a higher XG, almost double the XG, a much higher uh, expected threat, uh, more of the possession, the defensive line played higher, uh, but Arsenal had a higher field tilt, if you think that's a real thing. Yeah. So up the Reds. See you tomorrow. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.